In the May edition of History Today, we have an article by Paul Reynolds on Jan Block, the man who predicted the First World War. And we have Paul here to discuss the article with us. Um, Paul, Jan Block, he's not a well-known figure um, for those who are interested in the First World War. Can you tell us something about him? Yes, he's not a well-known figure, but he should be much better known. I came across him really in the writings of people like Basil Little Hart and uh, John, General John Fuller, who praised him for not just predicting the First World War, but predicting the nature of the war and predicting the stalemate that the First World War would be. Improbably, he was a Pole um, and became really part of the Russian Empire. He became a financier of the Russian railways, uh, lived in St. Petersburg, then the capital, and he wrote a book in the late 19th century uh, about modern warfare and said the power of the defence was so huge that future wars would be stalemate. This book was then translated into English under the title Is War Impossible? He was a bit of an idealist. He thought war should be solved by arbitration, and he then predicted that war would be so destructive, rather like modern nuclear war, I suppose, that governments would not go to war. Of course, he was absolutely wrong about that, but he was absolutely right about the nature of warfare, and his ideas were promulgated in some lectures he gave to the British military establishment at the United Services Institute in Whitehall in 1901. And so I thought it was interesting that he actually told the British Army this was the problem of warfare, and they had to listen to him. And 1901 is, is, is an important point. The context uh, of, of that period is crucial to the ideas that he developed. Could you, could you set us uh, that, that context? Yeah. Yes, well, it was the Boer War was still going on. In fact, many of the officers in his audience had been in the Boer War, although the major phase of the Boer War uh, in terms of fighting was over, it then degenerated into guerrilla warfare or developed into guerrilla warfare. So he was talking a lot about that in his lecture. Uh, but more widely, you know, modern warfare was being and had been invented by then. In particular, the rapid-firing rifle, the smokeless, fuel, uh, smokeless uh, uh, powder, uh, the growth of artillery, and all this combined to make it impossible, he said, for soldiers to cross that last 500 yards of open ground. And that is where wars were being won and lost. And indeed, why so many battles in the First World War simply led to great slaughter and no great gain. So there was the strategic uh, background to his talk, that people were discussing, how do you overcome the power of the defence? And he said, basically, you can't. What he didn't foresee was the growth of artillery and indirect fire where you know, artillery shells go up and then come down and howitzer shells likewise, um, which was really the solution that the military sought. And that's why you've got such a bombardment of uh, artillery before attacks in the First World War. It wasn't that the military ignored what he said. They thought they could overcome the problems of the defence, not by defending the attackers, but by attacking the defenders, uh, when I think the actual solution was the other way round, and eventually that solution was found through the tank. But they, they developed artillery, and they thought that this would keep the heads of the defenders down, and you saw it in the hostile response he got from his military audience in Whitehall. And what were their criticisms? Because there's also references to, to cavalry. We're still talking about the age of cavalry here. 
you've got cavalrymen at that meeting and subsequently talking about, you know, the 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 arm blanche, as it was called, you know, the, the great uh, arm of the military. And one chap, even a few years later, was talking about he favoured the use of the lance um, in, in warfare. Well, Bloch said, oh, cavalry's gone. The bayonet's gone. It's rather like he said the Russian admirals used to get more uh, interested in how the sails were furled on the old sailing warships than they were in modern gunnery. That's all gone, he said, and the audience didn't really want to hear this. And the artillerymen among them um, did come away. They're not fools. They thought that they could develop artillery to increase the power of the attack over the defence, and that it was tried in the First World War. And what really was the terrible thing was that when it didn't work, uh, say at the Somme, it was still tried in 1917 in Arras, in Passchendaele, later that year. And all these great attacks, the Germans found it didn't work at Verdun uh, in 1916. And yet, time and time again, these attacks were made. And I think the military writers later on uh, identified uh, Bloch as one of the people. He wasn't the only one. There were some French writers as well who said, um, the French army's insistence on offensive warfare under their Plan 17, which what, what it was called, That's would be absolutely... Yes, at the opening of the war, they were going to drive into the lost provinces of Alsace and Lorraine, grab them back. And people, they said, well, we'll overcome machine guns and bullets through elan and courage um, and attacking uh, power. didn't work at all. They had to withdraw... So people were looking after the war for lessons, and they they've, they've came across this character. Now, after any warfare, as you must well know, you can always find you know prophets who predicted doom or got it right in some way. But in this case, I thought it was interesting that he actually lectured the British military establishment. Mm. And there's also reference there um, to the novel Vril. Yes, uh, he... Um, there was um, a novel, Bulwer-Lytton wrote a novel, which sort of um, was a forerunner of a sort of nuclear um, power. Really. It's kind there of was, sub H. G. Yes, Wells. Yes, there was at that time great sort of thinking about, you know, the power of technology. And this Vril um, weapon um, was really rather like a nuclear bomb, I mean, from the 19th century. And it uh, stopped you know, people in their tracks. And he said, well, unless unless you get a Vril-type uh, weapon, uh, you know, you're going to run into trouble. Interestingly, mentioning that is, it's because brings us right up into our day and the doctrine of mutual assured yeah. destruction where his ideas actually have applied. Governments have not been willing or able to go to war, though they've been jolly close-run things as over Cuba, um, that... Um, because they knew they would lose. He never said he never said that governments wouldn't. I think the title of his book is War Impossible was a bit of a sort of come on. Um, but uh, he didn't think they would, but the military men knew governments would go to war anyway, and they had to find a way to fight a war, but they did not find the way in time. So is there any... Uh, well, you talk about historians uh, and military strategists rediscovering the work and seeing this profit there. Uh, did he have any influence on thinking by the time of the Second World War? I think everything had changed by the Second World War, so I would say, yes, the long-term 
her thinking had completely changed. So the First World War, the defence was all-powerful. In the Second World War, the the offence was, was powerful. So you saw this begin the end of the First World War, the tank. Uh, and then people like um, General Fuller, whom I mentioned earlier as being one of the people who noticed what Bloch had said. Fuller was a great believer, as was Little Hart. This is why these people cottoned onto Bloch, because they were... They were the prophets of offensive warfare through the through the tank, and this he was a kind of uh, guru to them. And so Fuller and people developed the tank. Fuller actually watched in 1939 a parade of German tanks with Hitler, and Hitler said to him, "What do you think of your children now?" And Fuller said to him, "Well, you know they've grown up so much I don't recognise them anymore." So there were people looking forward, and the, the Germans, as we know, took it forward much more than the British, who rather let these ideas fizzle out in the 30s. And uh, we saw the results in the Second World War. And Coretti Barnett, uh, the historian Coretti Barnett, in, in post-war years, has rediscovered Bloch to a certain extent. Didn't yes, he, he mentions Bloch. Yes, he mentions Bloch. And he, again, you know, so in our day, you've got a, a modern historian who's very keen on looking at the reality of war, um, like John Keegan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, those historians who really analyse what the weaponry is doing in warfare, I think, do respect what this curious character, you know, you have this Polish-Russian banker, railway financier, amateur of war, um, as one writer called him, he got it right. And he was very, very scientific. If you look at the book... He wrote his War Impossible. It's online for free. And uh, you'll see all kinds of analysis of the caliber of cartridges, the uh, how many men can survive an artillery shell. So it wasn't just sort of um, theoretical talk. It was based on actual uh, analysis. And he tried to draw some lessons from the Boer War that frontal attacks, i.e. going charging straight at the enemy, uh, were no longer possible. You had to try to get round the sides. But he said in the, fir- in the European war, which he predicted almost to within a year, he said the trenches will run from the mountains to the sea and you won't be able to get round the flanks because there won't be any flanks. That's one reason, of course, why the Gallipoli operation was planned in 1915 to get round the flanks of the already stalemated European Western Front. But of course, and I've just been to Gallipoli as it happens, Exactly the same principles are in play in Gallipoli. The impossibility of covering that last, in Gallipoli actually sometimes it was down to 20 yards, that last open ground, the unprotected troops could not do it. And that's why there was stalemate in Gallipoli as well. And eventually those troops had to be withdrawn. Well, it's a fascinating story, the man who predicted the First World War. Um, Jan Block, and so thank you, Paul, and also talking about a neglected character, and I'm glad we've restored him to the public realm in some way. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. It's in the May edition of History Today. Thank you. Thank you, Paul.